Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Wednesday, April 27th. I'm Desiree Frazier. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, it's crawfish season at the state fairgrounds. And a newly published memoir chronicles how one man's search for home led him to the Mississippi Delta. We'll talk with the book's editor. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. State Education Superintendent Carrie Wright is retiring at the end of June. As MPB's Kobe Vance reports, she served in public education for 50 years. In the nine years since Carrie Wright took on the role of State Superintendent of Education, students have seen markedly large gains in education. Experts to the state rose from being ranked 50th in the Quality Counts Index to 35th, and graduation rates have exceeded the national average. Carrie Wright says one of the most recent benchmarks for the state was ranking top in scores for the National Assessment of Educational Progress. If there's one area that I would push for us to continue and expand, it would be our coaching strategy. We've got coaches in literacy, mathematics, special education, school improvement, digital learning, and early childhood. And that's all out there to benefit teachers, build their capacity, in order to make their instruction that much stronger for children. When the coronavirus pandemic began in Mississippi more than two years ago, Many districts had to adjust to distance learning options. Superintendent Wright says teachers and students across the state faced various challenges making this shift, but continued to see growth. She says whoever takes her place may continue to face challenges that became apparent throughout the pandemic. The one issue that I think that the next chief is going to face, and that is the overall mental health of our students and our, and our teachers and our leaders. So we have already um, started down our path of professional development for our teachers to train them, uh, working with our counselors then on how they help children while they're in school. And now with our money, we are going to be expanding telehealth and teletherapy statewide. Superintendent Wright says her decision to step down was based on spending more time with her family who lives out of state. Cubby Vance. MPB News. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. The second annual Mississippi Mudbug Festival kicks off this evening at the state fairgrounds. Michael Lasseter is executive director of the fairgrounds and he speaks with Mississippi Edition producer Rob Lane. We've got a wide variety of music. We kick off Thursday at 7 p.m. with the tip tops. Friday we have two acts. We have Shake the Bucket and Lane Hardy. Saturday, we have uh, Sullivan's Hollow, Blue Oyster Cult, and we finish off uh, Sunday with Bobby Rush. We do have a crawfish eating contest Saturday at 4 p.m. That's a, that's a lot of fun. Last year, we had a winner. We, we see how many how much crawfish that someone can eat in five minutes. The guy won. I think he, he ate the whole five pounds of crawfish in, five, in under five minutes. And then Sunday, we have a battle of the crawfish cooking competition at 1, one o'clock and uh and we have local businesses and groups come. And, uh, last year we had a group win, and they won $1,000. So it's 
So uh, this, it's just a whole bunch of fun for the family. We want everybody to come out. And we've got the carnival. And like I said, if you don't like crawfish, we have a lot of different varieties of carnival food, anything from, I don't know, maybe chicken on a stick, maybe a turkey leg, maybe a funnel cake, a hot dog. This is a whole bunch of stuff. So I uh, want you to come out and enjoy this great event. And this is the second year of the Mudbug Festival, is that right? Yeah, it is. This is the second year. Uh, last year was our first year, 2021, right out of COVID. Uh, the Commissioner of Agriculture, Andy Gibson, had an idea of the Mudbug Festival, uh, and we tried it. You know, we had a lot, you know, we didn't know what to expect. We think, oh, we might have a couple thousand people. Well, we had tens of thousands of people came. And we, so we rep- we did the same thing again. We've got the same rides. We've added rides. We've added musical acts. We've added more food varieties. So yeah, this is our second year, and you know, hey, I want everybody to come out and enjoy it. This is this is this is Central Mississippi's event. You know, we got to keep these great events, can we, but we need your help coming out and enjoying these things. The fairgrounds themselves, I understand. You guys are kind of in a longer-term process of renovating, rejuvenating parts of the fairgrounds. What can you tell us about that? Yeah, well, you know, the uh, the fairground sits at the doorstep of the capital city. And so we're in the process of uh, developing a master plan. I've seen some really good uh, mock-ups of it. And uh, I think I think if we can put that into place, I think, uh, you know, it can be it can be a, a big deal for downtown Jackson. Uh, but we, you know, hey, we're we're not, you know, we're we're moving right now. We, we've been doing a lot of renovation around the grounds. We've completely renovated pretty much the inside of the Coliseum. It's got brand new seats, lights, paint. Pretty much uh, the dressing rooms are getting redone. Uh, we've got a brand-new trademark sitting right next to it. I don't know if you had a chance to go out and see the brand-new trademark. Uh, that's really nice. That's, um, you know, 100,000 square feet of space. Um, really, really nice. And it's connected to the Coliseum. That's uh, that's really nice. So we actually have one huge building that's connected together. And then we've got, a, you know, we've done a lot of improvements in our equine building. Uh, that's 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 got, pretty much got a new uh, uh, facelift and makeup and pretty much all around the grounds you can ride around the fairgrounds a lot of the a lot of the structures and buildings around here we're, we're painting we're doing a big project right now and uh, one of our uh, equine barns you know equine is a huge component of the fairgrounds getting that spruced up getting the lights replaced a lot of the, the fences repaired so it's been a, and of course we've got our brand new water well you know w- what we found was that there was you know, when we had a water main break, we lost pressure on the fairgrounds. We, you know, and we can't take that chance. We have a lot of people camping down here, a lot of horses and livestock. You know, and it's tough to supply water to those those animals and uh, different things. So, uh, commissioner had a vision of uh, putting in a wa- uh, water well, and uh, that was about a year ago, or a little a little more than a year ago. And we've got we've got a water well that's you know we can we can go back to the city water, but we're completely on the well right now, and. Uh, so, yeah, we've got our little city, and we're going to continue to spruce up the fairgrounds. New logo, we're going to start working soon on our website. So, And then, then of course, we've got the master plans. We've got some hotels. Uh, those are going to uh, be removed, and that's going to be a, a nice look into the fairgrounds. Everybody can see when they look at downtown Jackson, they'll see the beautiful fairgrounds. So a lot of, a lot of great things happening, so uh, just stay tuned. Yeah, you alluded a little bit to the planned demolition of those hotels. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? I think people might be curious. Well, um, I think uh, the DFA uh, Bureau Bureau Buildings is in the process of uh, acquiring those properties, and uh, as soon as that's done, then uh, I think what we're going to do is uh, we're going to take them down. 
and uh, it'll be a grassy area with uh, with uh, possibly we're looking at you know that might be future expansion for the fairgrounds. Uh, you know, a lot of these events we run out of space, we run out of parking space, so you know there might be a mixture of various things there. So, um, but that's that's coming. Uh, hopefully the demolition will start soon on two of the structures. Um, I, I don't know exactly when. Hopefully by the end of the year. And uh, maybe by next year we'll have all that opened up, uh, you know, where people can see it from the interstate. It's going to be really, really nice. And so people who drive by on the interstate nowadays probably know what hotels we're talking about. Can you remind us what the names of those hotels are that are coming down? Uh, Oyo and uh, and there's a Regency. So. Those are those are going to eventually uh, be removed, and it's going to open up the canopy to, to the beautiful downtown Jackson. And hey, there might be a big sign right there one day. It says "Welcome to Jackson" or "Welcome to the Fairgrounds." You know, but I, I think that uh, once we get all that cleaned up and open up, you know, we've we've already kind of gotten out there and just sprucing up on the interstate. You know, we, you want to be able to see the capital city. Right now, there was a lot of uh, well, was a lot of overgrown trees and brush, and you know, you don't. It, and for what what I've heard from MDOT, that is one of the most trafficked. Uh, roadways in Mississippi, so we don't want people from coming coming from out of out of town and and, uh, and seeing that old brush, and uh, we want them to see the beautiful Mississippi State Fairgrounds and the city of Jackson in the background. So that's what we're wanting to do. Michael Lassiter is executive director of the Mississippi State Fairgrounds. More Mississippi edition ahead. You're listening to MPB Think Radio. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. Eric Smallhout was born a child of privilege in the Dutch East Indies in the early 20th century. His father sent him to boarding school in Australia just months before the Japanese seized the East Indies in 1942. A few years later, Smallhout was drafted into the Dutch Navy. That experience led him to years of work post-war on commercial shipping lines crisscrossing the globe. At the end of it, believe it or not, he wound up in the Mississippi Delta. The University Press of Mississippi recently published Smallhout's memoirs under the title Motherland, Fatherland, Whateverland. His granddaughter, Erica Berry, edited the book. It's just a fascinating story about not just his life, but the way that he saw the world around him. Did he talk to you about his life experiences when he was living? Yeah, he told some stories about his life growing up. Um, He mostly talked about specific people, but never to the extent that he uh, talked about it in the book. You know, we grew up knowing that he was Dutch. (laughs) He he never really spoke the language unless we overheard him speaking with family in the Netherlands. Uh, And we grew up eating different foods. So we knew that he was different, but uh, it wasn't until I read the memoir that I realized, you know, there's just a lot of things that shaped his life that made him... Uh, a very special opa. Actually, it reads like a diary going through yeah. the different stages of his life. What do you want folks to take away from reading this book? He was somebody who, and I don't know if it was because he was forced to, because um, essentially he grew up 
in his latter adolescent years as an, as an only child, as an orphan, um, he grew up having to view the world as, um, you know, not something to manage, not something to flee, but something to really appreciate. And so I would hope readers will see the, the, the way he was able to approach life with curiosity. You know, no matter what terrible experiences he had um, and the loneliness he felt, he always had this eternal curiosity for the world. And so I would hope that readers kind of, you know, take that away from him or from the book. And, you know, it, again, it is one of those things where you can't imagine being in his shoes, but you can't imagine having that curious attitude that he always had when he went out into the world. How did you come up with this title, Motherland, Fatherland, Whatever Land? So there's a part um, when he, a part of his story when he was uh, circling the globe um, on ships. It was his first job uh, on his first ship as a purser. And he was kind of struggling with what to do next. You know, he could stay on ships. He could go back to uh, Jakarta. It was what it was at the time where his sister was. He could could go to the Netherlands, um, and he just wasn't sure what to do. Like, he just didn't know where to go. And so at one point, um, the ship that he was on was going to uh, drop some cargo in Rotterdam, and it was going to be his first time visiting the Netherlands. So here's this Dutchman, you know, going to the Netherlands the first time, you know, considering he grew up in the Indies. He had never been. And so he wrote in there about how, um, he was going to experience the Netherlands for the first time, and he referred to it as motherland, fatherland, whatever land. Uh, and I just thought that was a really curious way to say it because, you know, folks would say, hey, this is your home, right? Like the Netherlands is your home. But yet it wasn't for him. And at the time, he really didn't have a home. And so we chose that as the memoir's title because it does kind of make you think through, well, what is home, right? Like if, if you don't have one, what, what is it? And so... Um, the whateverland really kind of, you know, encapsulates that that question. He became stationary in Mississippi for a good uh, portion of time. He talks about his father being having socialist leanings and being activist. How do you think that helped shape your grandfather? <laughs> That's a really great question. Yeah. So growing up, I think, you know, his, his father was very politically active um, with the, the Jewish Socialist Party in the in, Indies. Um, it was a small group, but he was very active. Um, meanwhile, his mother was uh, leaned more conservative. And so I think growing up, he had this really fascinating uh, advantage of not being forced to choose a side, seeing two individuals be very passionate about what they believe. And so it, it allowed him the privilege of growing up and choosing himself. Um, I know when he moved to Mississippi, he was a little shocked at first, uh, you know, as you can imagine, in the 50s in the Mississippi Delta. Yeah, he said he was um, mystified by desegregation. Yes, yes. You know, one of my favorite, um, one of my favorite uh, lines in the book initially was one, something I wanted to take out, right? Like, I didn't take anything out of this because, you know, these are his words. It's up to him to, to speak these words. Um, but there is a piece where he talks about um, being in the Delta, and uh, he says, uh, having never had any personal contact with a Black American, it was hard to get used to the fact that they lacked having a language of their own. And when I first read that, I thought, yeah, we're not doing this that this is offensive, like it's a very offensive thing to say, we're not going to, we're not going to do this. 
we're not going to put that in the novel. We're not going to publish it. And then I realized, you know, he grew up in a place where they had several different cultures. Um, you know, you had Indonesians, you had the Dutch, you had, um, you know, people spoke Malay. You had so many different cultures in Indonesia um, and everybody, you know, each culture had their own language. And so when I thought about that um, and I reread it, I realized that's a beautiful perspective. You know, he's in a way a little angry that um, these these incredible people are having to speak the language of their oppressors in the Delta at the time, and they've had to learn to adapt. And I think at the end of the day, he was mystified is a good word, but also sympathetic. In closing, is there any last words you want to share? Yeah, I um, would just want to encourage folks to be more curious about the people around them. You know, that was something he, um, sorry, I'm getting a little emotional thinking about it. He was really good at. Um, When I think about the current culture that we live in, especially the political culture, I think about the political arguments that he and my uncle would have, and I would just watch him observe. I would watch him observe, take in an argument, think about it, and respond with his firm beliefs. But at the end of the day, he still observed. Um, And so I would just want to encourage people, you know, be more curious. There is freedom in listening as if you are wrong and speaking as if you are right. He mastered that. And, you know, it's a a daily struggle. I don't get it perfect. Um, But I think there's value in at least trying. We really appreciate you um, sharing your grandfather's story with us and how this book came to be and his life. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate this opportunity. You know, it's, it's a privilege to share him with the rest of the world and an even greater privilege to share his story with Mississippians and in an incredible program like Mississippi Edition. So thanks for, for being interested in caring and sharing. Erica Berry will be signing copies of Motherland, Fatherland, Whateverland at Lemuria Books in Jackson at 5 p.m. today on this Konigstag or King's Day in the Netherlands. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Stick around for a full morning of Mississippi Radio. Coming up at 9, it's Fix It 101. Then at 10, it's Everyday Tech. And at 11, don't miss Southern Remedy. Find past installments of this and other Think Radio shows online at mpbonline.org. I'm Desiree Frazier. Join us tomorrow morning at 830 for the next Mississippi edition only on MPB Think Radio. Enjoy the sunshine.